from South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on September 8th, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. In this episode, we're back on the campaign trail with former Governor Nikki Haley, and we catch up with friend of the pod, Meg Kennard of the Associated Press, for a post-Labor Day campaign trail update. If you haven't been paying attention, this is the perfect conversation to jump into. The lead loves hearing from everyone. That's why we have a voicemail box set up that you can share your thoughts to. Give us your hot takes. Ask us some questions. 803-563-7169. Please call. We love hearing your travel stories. We love hearing what you guys are thinking about. It is post-Labor Day. The kids are back in school. You're getting back into the swing of things. Let us know what you're thinking about. 803-563-7169. We're always here. Picture this, a warm brewery, a cold beer, and some hot air. That was all on tap in the upstate hamlet of Boiling Springs on Thursday, where former United Nations ambassador turned presidential candidate Nikki Haley held a small town hall with some 250 folks. It's great to see you and it's great to be home. It's always a great day in South Carolina and you've made it that much better, so thank you. Haley, who remains in a distant fourth in the race based on an average of polls, had some other polling data to tout. That she was the only Republican beating President Joe Biden in a November 2024 hypothetical matchup. But when asked about it, Haley went in on Biden and inflation. So the interesting thing is, you know, I think he thought it'd be cute to stick with the Bidenomics. But the reality is, if you want to bring down inflation, there's a couple of things that will do it. Stop the spending. All of these subsidies he keeps doing, all of these stimulus packages, everything, when you flush it with cash and you do it in a way that people are sitting on the couch, you're not helping the economy, you're hurting the economy. The second thing is he continues to stop any uh, permitting of energy. We have to become energy dominant. That will bring inflation down. The CNN poll of registered voters found that a hypothetical Biden-Trump rematch is split between Trump at 47 percent and Biden at 46 percent. Haley stands as the only Republican candidate to hold a lead over Biden with 49 percent to 43 percent in a hypothetical match between the two. Now, CNN says that difference is driven at least in part by broader support for Haley than for other Republicans among white voters with college degrees. She holds 51% of that group compared with 48% or less for other Republicans tested in the poll. But remember, you have to make it through the primary before you get the nomination and become Biden's direct challenger. And right now, primary voters in early states and nationally, well, they want Trump by a large margin, folks. Electability be damned, these passionate early voters say, to which Haley adds, Don't complain about what happens in a general election if you don't play in this primary. It matters. It matters. Haley spoke for about 30 minutes, playing her regular hits, beating up on China, talking support for Ukraine at the risk of a third world war, balancing the budget, pushing mental competency tests for older politicians, and greater need for mental health counseling for younger students. We've all heard a lot of that on the pod before. And this as well, Haley again mentioning transgender student athletes and women's sports. 
How do we get our girls used to the fact that biological boys are in their locker rooms? You can't. We shouldn't. Our goal should always be to remember that we grow strong girls because strong girls become strong women and strong women become strong leaders. And putting biological boys in their sports does not allow us to have strong girls. Ladies, we can't give up on that fight. We can't give up on our girls. And do you know Johns Hopkins just came out with the definition of a, of a woman? You know what it is? You're not ready. A non-man. A non-man. We are not going to let you erase women off the face of this earth. We're just not. We're going to continue to fight for our girls. Actually, in June, Johns Hopkins University and their LGBTQ glossary on their website defined a lesbian as a non-man attracted to non-men. That definition has since been removed following backlash. Now, Congress has just days left to pass its 12 appropriation bills to keep the government funded and working before the start of the new fiscal year on October 1st. Haley, who has previously called out fellow Republicans for being big spenders, noted that they were worse than Democrats in their earmark requests or money for projects and initiatives in their congressional districts in this current budget. Republicans have in that budget $7.4 billion worth of pet projects and earmarks. Democrats have $2.8 billion. You tell me who the big spenders are. Now, let me tell you, I have to stop for a second. We have a few freedom fighters in Congress, not many. Literally, I think I could show them on my hand. Ralph Norman is one of them. And we thank you, thank you, thank you. That was Haley giving a shout out there to 5th District Congressman Ralph Norman, who was in the House and is the only member of the congressional delegation to endorse Haley at this point. Haley also celebrated her 27th wedding anniversary to Michael on Thursday. The two met her first weekend at Clemson University. Now, Michael is a major with the South Carolina Army National Guard, and he was deployed in June as a staff officer with the 218th Maneuver Enhancement Brigade, which the National Guard says is providing support in the Horn of Africa. She also spoke of the challenges military families face and also gave some insight behind the scenes here on when Michael returned from a previous deployment to Afghanistan during her first term as governor. Because when you go home, it gets hard. The transition is tough. When Michael got home, he couldn't hear loud noises. He couldn't be in crowds. Life had passed him by for the year that he was deployed, and he had to figure out how to transition in. We don't need to just love our military men and women when they're gone. We need to love them when they come home, too. We will take care of those men and women for the rest of their life. We will make sure that we have telehealth so that they have mental health care right when they need it, immediately. We will let them go. Do you know the average time for a veteran to get a doctor's appointment at the VA? 29 days. Why 29? Because on the 30th day, they can go to the doctor or hospital of their choice. So what happens is midway through the 29 days, they get a call to reschedule, and the clock starts all over again. We will make sure that veterans can go to the doctor or hospital of their choice. And the 
best way that I'm going to take care of the veterans' affairs is we're going to make sure that every member of Congress has to get their health care from the VA. And you watch how fast that gets fixed. Haley's visit to Boiling Springs, just north of Spartanburg, got David Minga on the road from nearby North Carolina. A Haley fan, he likes that Haley's nice, well-spoken, and talks about term limits. And David says he wants to pick a winner, but getting her on the general election ballot, he admits, will be hard. Donald Trump is a not a very pleasant human being. He's not going to get people flocking to him to do good things. He's getting a bunch of people that bitch and whine to get behind him. Nikki stays positive. And I'm not Catholic, man. I I, I hope she wins it. She needs to win the primaries first. I don't know how to do it. That's something we've been talking about on this podcast recently as well. Now, Haley returned from New Hampshire to campaign in the upstate and later in Charleston at a full Holy City Brewing Friday evening. Even though the U.S. Senate is back from its August recess, Senator Tim Scott was in New Hampshire later this week as well. He was also recently on Fox News talking about his approach to the upcoming September 27th debate in California. Substance will drive my debate performance. I will provide the American people with an adult in the room. What we cannot abide by is a food fight where the two biggest winners are Joe Biden's campaign and national media that loves to see Mm -hmm. Republicans fighting with Republicans. The road to socialism runs right through a divided Republican Party. I will increase my time by allowing the contrast between the candidates on the stage to manifest and then keep talking about why I know America can do for anyone what she's done for me. We have to restore hope, create opportunities, and protect America. That starts with backing the blue and closing our southern border. In the August debate, Scott spoke for a total of 8 minutes and 15 seconds, just behind Haley's 8 minutes and 41 seconds, according to the New York Times. Former Vice President Mike Pence spoke the most at 12 minutes and 37 seconds. So needless to say, everyone is looking at how to get more airtime on the 27th. Abortion, Trump, and candidates' credentials were the top three subjects discussed in that August 23rd debate. And on the way out, there will be a runoff in the Senate District 42 Democratic primary. That's right. State Representatives Wendell Gilliard and Dion Tedder will face off September 19th to see who will replace former Senator Marlon Kimson. Brown liquor. Kimson took a position in the Biden White House recently. Gilliard had 47 percent of the vote on Tuesday, just shy of the needed 50 percent plus one vote. And Tedder had 39 percent. Representative J.A. Moore came in third with just over 15%, but did not make that runoff cut. The winner of the runoff in the heavily Democratic district will face Republican Rosa Kay in the November 7th election. Since it's post-Labor Day, I wanted to get everyone caught up on what's going on on the campaign trail for some of the folks who may now just be tuning in. Well, we have just the person to do that with. Friend of the pod, Meg Kennard with the Associated Press is here with us. That's right. I spoke with her on This Week in South Carolina, which returns for its sixth season with me at the helm. Please watch. Please watch. But first, take a listen, guys. Meg, welcome back. Thank you. It's so good to be back. 
And we are after Labor Day, which you know is the unofficial ramp up for campaign season, which has already been pretty much in full swing. Uh, but broadly speaking, Meg, kind of just tell us, tell folks who maybe are just now tuning into the race what, what the state of play looks like in South Carolina right now. I mean, it's been busy here for quite some time, as we both know, out there on the trail. But now we're starting to see more frequent appearances from some of the candidates, not everybody, but more attention. This is, you know, this is a space where the voters who have kind of been tangentially aware of, oh, yeah, there's an election coming up. Sure, there's a primary here. These candidates are here and they're starting to come out more and more to hear exactly what they have to say. That's the benefit of being in an early voting state, getting to see the candidates in person and not just on a debate stage ahead of the votes here. Mm -hmm. So more attention from voters as well as candidates, more activity and interest, and it's only going to get more between now and February. Yeah, we're watching these candidates kind of rotate between Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. I feel like Iowa's getting a lot more attention, but some folks say that's not necessarily the case. I mean, it just kind of depends on who you're talking to. I think there's often this kind of like friendly competition among the early states of, you know, who's getting more activity, who has more candidate visits. All of that does translate into economic boons for each of these states. So that's part of the conversation as well. But we have seen a lot of people in Iowa, clearly for the state fair, for that long stretch there where there were candidates doing a whole bunch of different things. But more attention is going to be here on South Carolina where it's getting ready to be fall. The temperatures are going to be great. It's going to get pretty cold in some of those other early voting states, but South Carolina is so temperate. So I think we'll see more activity. And the barbecue is far superior than those other states of too. Of course. Uh, but Meg, let's look at this race through a South Carolina lens because we have two homegrown candidates in that race. Uh, let's start with former Governor Nikki Haley, what's going on with her campaign? How has she been faring this summer? Honestly, former Governor Haley, she had a good debate for the first contest where all of these candidates, or most of the candidates anyway, were on stage together. And her campaign has really been playing that up. They've been mentioning a lot of the increased attention she's been getting. She's had some events here in South Carolina as well as these other early states. There have been more people there. She was in Indian land recently, and they had an overflow crowd, which is not something that we've really seen typical of a lot of her events here in her home state. So there is some increased attention. Clearly, most people around here know who she is. She was governor for almost two terms as well as the U.N. ambassador. But some of that, the what they've portrayed as a good performance in that first debate, her campaign is trying to translate that into, okay, well, maybe you should take a second look at this candidate that perhaps you hadn't looked at in the same sort of national way before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she got a pretty big bump, at least with fundraising, too. I haven't really seen the polls move too much, but I think to the tune of like a million dollars over like the first 72 hours after that debate. Yeah, that was something that Haley's campaign said was her best ever fundraising single day or single time frame period. Mm -hmm. So certainly that does translate into those dollars, which is the way these campaigns can continue to stay out on the road, to stay visible, to go on the air, do all those kinds of things to get them in front of more and more voters in more places. So yeah, that's beneficial for sure. It seems like her campaign was putting a lot of weight on that debate performance too, not really running ads up until that point either. Now they have a lot of pack ads going. So it seems like their strategy is to wait till people are maybe paying attention like they've been saying. That's one thing that Nikki Haley's campaign and the candidate herself have said for a long time that she is fiscally responsible, not just in the way that we hear candidates talk about it, but that she has an accounting background, that she knows how to balance a budget coming from her work as a state legislator and a governor. So, you know, that's, that's a cute campaign talking point really, but that is something that her campaign has been trying to emphasize that they're at least thinking about when they're spending their money, when they're asking asking donors for contributions, but then also not just kind of like throwing it all at once, measuring it out. And after Labor Day is the time to really start spending it. 
But we've already seen some other campaigns spending big, including Senator Tim Scott's campaign, who's been spending a lot on ads in both Iowa and New Hampshire, not so much down here because he's pretty well known, uh, pretty well liked as, as well. So what's going on with uh, Tim Scott's campaign? How has he been faring this summer? He's been going to all of these early states, clearly, as, as all the campaigns who can um, have been able to. He came into this campaign with a lot more money than we typically see campaigns start off with. Again, that was something that was able to be transferred from his Senate account where he hadn't really had to spend a whole lot of money in his reelect. But that money did allow him to do things off the bat that oftentimes campaigns will wait until later in the season into the fall to do, like spending money on ads, like being able to do a fly around, you know, on a jet as opposed to driving to campaign events. I mean, those kinds of things like people like us talk about them, but really it does enable him to kind of get more bang for his buck, so to speak. He's still a working senator, so he has to do his job in Washington as well. So for him, sometimes those campaigning windows are a little bit more condensed. But we've seen him become more and more active. His PAC has been spending money for him as well. He's been up on the air with ads continuously since he launched. And I think we're going to continue to see that, too. Yeah, we just saw him do, uh, like you're talking about these fly arounds. He was like in Charleston and Lexington and then Greenville in the upstate uh, one day last week recently. So uh, we're also seeing him up in New Hampshire, but also, like you said, the Senate's back in session, too. So back to his day job as well. It's, I mean, it's something that, you know, folks who are in office have to figure out that balance. And we heard from his campaign even before they were an official campaign talk about that window where he was gonna be campaigning. You know, when they're not in session, he's gonna be on the road. When they are in session, he's gonna be picking his spots, maybe like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday piece mm -hmm. of the week that he'll be out there campaigning. And now with Congress back in session for the fall, you know, we're really gonna see that playing out. The campaign's heating up. He still has to be in Washington and fulfill his obligations to the South Carolinians who sent him there. So, you know, that could be kind of a time crunch. Meg, when we look at two big Trump campaign events this summer, uh, what has stood out to you at these campaign events? We both covered them. Uh, one was in Pickens, one was here in the Midlands. What were the folks telling you, especially in light of these indictments that have come out this summer? A lot of folks don't seem to, at least the ones we've talked to at these events in South Carolina, they haven't expressed a whole lot of concern about the continual charges that they've seen. I think we're through the indictments now. There have been four separate cases, clearly, against the former president. But a lot of the folks, particularly the ones at that event in Pickens, where there were tens of thousands of people crammed into downtown, those were pretty diehard Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. And even the ones that we asked, okay, well, if you couldn't vote for him, if for some reason he couldn't be on the ballot for the general election or for the primary, what would you do? I'd write him in. I mean, these are the kind of voters that really don't seem to care about the legal stuff. There are some who express plenty of concerns. They don't really like it. They're not really sure that that's something that they want to see in you know, somebody who's occupying the White House, but they're still not sure. And so the fact that there are plenty of those voters in a state that has strongly supported Donald Trump in his previous run saying, you know, I'm not totally turned off by what I'm hearing in terms of his legal challenges, I think that we can read into that, that there is still a fairly high level of support for him. No votes have been cast in any state, here or otherwise, so we don't really know how that plays out. But at least it does sound like there are voters who, you know, are willing to just kind of say, I, I see that the guy has some legal issues, whatever, I still like his policies, I like him, and maybe I'll vote for him again. And we haven't seen those poll numbers move too much either when it comes to all this as well. Uh, much to the disappointment of folks like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who's been in a steady second place, but had a, a bit of a bumpy summer with a campaign reboot, which was kind of surprising since it was such a fresh campaign already. Uh, has that campaign stabilized? What's going on there, well, especially when you look at donors, probably possibly looking at other candidates, especially after that debate performance? We have seen a lot about donors who either had given to Ron DeSantis already or who maybe were thinking about it as the campaign goes on saying, oh, maybe not. Maybe I'll pick somebody else or maybe I'll just wait and see, you know, where where I land with my money. 
Um, we've had some conversations within the AP with some of those donors and their representatives, and they're not saying definitively that they're not going to be with him, but they are at least considering other options, which is not where they would have anticipated they'd be perhaps in February of this year before the campaigns really got launched, aside from Donald Trump and Nikki Haley, who got in pretty early. So the conversation is still happening. Clearly, Ron DeSantis' super PAC that's supporting him has been able to bring in a bunch of money that they have been spending, but there have been conversations, too, about kind of reallocating those resources and not doing all of the on-the-ground efforts that are very expensive in all of these early states mm -hmm. and pulling that back a little bit just to kind of, like, see how it settles out. We still have another fundraising quarter that'll be coming up at the end of the third quarter to kind of see how the candidate money is shaking out. It'll take a little bit longer for the PACs and other issue groups for us to know, but, you know, a lot of those conversations I think are happening and just like voters the donors are thinking is there somebody else in this field maybe that I could be looking for. Yeah it reminds me when you're talking about the money being spent on mailers and ads I mean we saw a lot of DeSantis mailers and and door hangs right when he launched his campaign but haven't seen much of that since so it's, it seems like they are readjusting their approach to how they allocate funds like you're talking about but uh, we haven't heard a lot from former Vice President Mike Pence who frequented the state a good bit before his announcement haven't seen him much since what's his strategy at this point he was here at least I think nine times uh, mm. even before he was an official candidate spending a lot of time here in South Carolina clearly talking about issues related to abortion which is one of his primary issues um, and very important to Republican primary voters here as well but we haven't seen as much from him, and I think that, you know, with a lot of the campaigns getting into the race, there was a bit of a question of where some of that support would land when it comes to the former vice president. He's still trying to associate himself with some of the successes of the Trump administration or the Trump-Pence administration, as he always refers to it, while still dealing with the fact of, you know, there are some voters who really did support the administration but don't like his actions as they specifically pertain to January 6th. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a tricky spot. I mean, that was one day, but it was one very monumental day. And there are some voters who on the campaign when we're asking them about the former vice president, they bring up January 6th and they still are like, he didn't stand up for Donald Trump the way that I wanted him to or the way they perceived that the former president wanted Mike Pence to. Um, so that is a question that he's continuing to deal with and you know, we'll see how it plays out in the rest of the early voting states. And Meg, really quick, um, September 27th is the next debate. What has to happen on that debate stage for these candidates? There has to be a breakout moment for some of the ones who haven't gotten that attention. Clearly, Nikki Haley is hoping that she'll have another moment, like she's been able to build some momentum from the first debate. Um, Tim Scott's team has said that he plans to be more aggressive. We don't know exactly what that translates into on the debate stage, but mm -hmm. he is anticipating and hoping that he's going to get more attention after September 27th. It's all ramping up, Meg. That's it sure is. We're here. Associated <laughs> Press reporter Meg Kennard, thank you so much. Thank you. You can find that entire interview with Meg on YouTube.com slash... South Carolina ETV, and you can catch an episode every week, every Friday night at 7.30 on SCETV. Welcome to the wind down section, our little tiny little break from the news, and we're glad you're here, A.T. Shire. You know who else is here with us, A.T.? Oh, I can I can, can I can only guess. Can you see? Uh, can you see? Do you see? It's Meg Kennard. Oh, oh my God! Hey, you just heard her in the pod, and now she's here in the wind down with us. Oh, 
She, I just I, won't leave. She she won't leave. She we, we we've served her with many many papers and <laughs> she still, has, still yes, she's, she's here. Been served. <laughs> um, never admit your name in public to someone. <laughs> <laughs> Who's asking? Um, I'm never answering my door again. Okay, so in lieu yes. of a call, Meg calls in all the time. So we're just gonna have her chat in here for today. Okay, I hope oh, everyone's treat, fine with that. You know, saving me a dime. I don't have to call. We just exactly. had her on set for Twist. We're like, come on over to the radio. <laughs> we need you. Be, show the people how you really are, Meg. Happy to be here. Anyway, so, I, yes. I, I in this uh, in this part, this little break from the news, so small how small the break is, I wanted to talk about the analog past. Mm. Okay, Meg, are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. I'm Brilliant. on record on this pod saying that I think the Matrix was right and mm. that humans did peak in 1999. Mm. That's why they keep feeding us in there. And so um, I, I was talking to people at the bar and I, I had... This story about something that it's so pre 9-11, it's so something that could never happen today. Mm-hmm. So when I'm I was 11. like 11 or 12, my family went on vacation to Florida, right? And this vacation came with a golf cart rental. It like came with our rental, right? And Fancy. So yeah. my grandmother, we were there, we were drinking. Well, I wasn't drinking. She was drinking. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Things we couldn't do before 9-11. She <laughs> ran out of whiskey or something. I don't uh-huh. know what it was. Uh, you'll tell me what it is in a second. And uh, she goes, AT, you're big enough. Here's a $100 bill. Mm. Wow. Go to the liquor Which store. Which was $1,000 back then. <laughs> it's in inflation numbers, yeah. She goes, go to the liquor store and buy me a new Glenlivet. How old are you? 12 or 13. Okay. Probably 12. Perfect. You know? Yeah. I was six feet tall, though. But uh, so she gives me $100. I drive alone to a liquor store, walk in, slap it on the table and go, uh, my grandma wants Glenn Livett. <laughs> no hesitation. This guy just yeah. goes, boom, here you go, kids. See you later. Like, could never happen to You were in Florida? Florida. That could still happen <laughs> in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering, yeah. like, does anyone else have any analog past glorious histories? My mom talks about getting cigarettes for my grandmother back in the day. But yeah. I think everyone was just like, you know, here, five bucks. Yeah, here's yeah, 10 packs of cigarettes. Yeah, corner store life. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, besides Home Alone not being able to happen again in, in the modern era, I don't know right? if Home Alone would really happen in Home Alone times. Like, the, the parents would turn around, <laughs> no, right? No, the power went out, all that <laughs> Mitch Murphy, the kid next door. <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think um, maybe having not as much free time, perhaps, to mm. actually just be a kid. I know that's probably so, like, tired, and everyone's like, oh, let the kids be kids. And mm-hmm. they were saying the same thing about us, like, having, like, too much TV time and then getting on the computers. Go outside. But I was just with my nephews, like, yeah. three of them under the age of seven, and they are on the pads. I mean, I know my the brother screens, runs the kids. Yeah, but the I'm screens. Like, but like, we were like telling my one, uh, I guess he's maybe five or so, one nephew, Connor, like, put it down and come talk to your grandmother and your uncle. <laughs> like, you got to like, set that I'm screen like, time. what happened at school today? It was your first day back. Like, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like, really just trying to pull it out. Like, if you think kids Meg's a tough interview. I know, but I was like trying to give them prompts. <laughs> but they're so, they're so jazzed about school. And uh, I think yeah, that's, but asking about it like kills the fun of it. Sure, that's why I was trying to be like, shut what, up, mom. What funny thing happened at school today? <laughs> Something funny had to have happened at school. So, uh, just not having that. I mean, we didn't have, I didn't have cable, so we watched the same movies over and over again, which is why I can recite Home Alone word for word for Absolutely. you. <laughs> like Home Alone, phones existed. Call a neighbor. Yeah, but you know what? Not in France. <laughs> I, Not in Paris. No My phones. my just memory cigarettes. from the analog past yeah. has to do Tell with phones. Okay. 
prank call. Oh yeah. Do you remember how? What a buzzkill caller ID. I was doing ID. that in college oh, from yeah. dorm rooms back in the day. Caller ID. I, think, I have a feeling there are still ways around it. And yes. caller ID, you could still do the star whatever yeah. and like yeah. kind of get. Oh, star you know, six nine. That. Ooh, yeah. But you're just not even answering your phone. I don't answer oh, my phone these no. days. And no. And now there's like Robo Killer. Meg, answer for me. <laughs> yeah. My, I mean, people just go straight to junk. My yeah. Pixel has like a. a Thank you. Uh, it has like I press it and it's it's a like a a receptionist, a digital receptionist mm-hmm. for me that talks to people and they hang up or they it, it will transcribe fancy, live fancy. time what happens. It's it's mm. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But also I did see speaking of not answering your phone, I did see someone was like lost in the wilderness for over twenty four hours, but they had their phone right. and didn't oh. answer it because they didn't recognize it. Yeah, that guy's but like, you're yeah. like, You're lost. Um, Lots of time. I have some questions. <laughs> but yeah, I remember prank calling people. I remember I remember yeah. being an absolute menace on the line, mm-hmm. you know. I had a rotary phone. I had All a rotary fun. phone wow. in my my bedroom. Yeah, because now Meg has a budding high schooler. She's only Ugh. 12. Ugh. I mean, we're getting there. I'm feeling for you, Meg. So she's oh, yeah. talking about screen time, talk about phones. I mean, how does that work, Meg? Talk to us. This is our parents' corner moment. <laughs> parents' now. corner. Wind down. Yes. This is for our parents listening. You know, I tell you what, it's it is complicated, but thankfully there are some some ways that we can kill the fun when it comes to <laughs> too much screen time. Um, we are not a Pixel family. We are an Apple sad, family. Sorry, sad, sad ah, a little dick. And, and through that, I have access access to screen time yeah. where mm. I can turn phones into paperweights after a certain <laughs> time of day and um, I do that and I, and it works. I'm also on Meg's family plan and she cuts my phone off. Stop scrolling. <laughs> she tells me to stop Gavin, scrolling. You have reached your limit on Instagram today. Like I need it for work. She's like, da, da, da. Gavin needs these things. He needs these Go things. Go outside, Gavin. Meg, Meg, what's it like uh, living long enough to grow to, to turn into the enemy? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I am, I am the elder right yes. now on this podcast and I will well, I will tell you what. I don't know. I think I'm the oldest spiritually here. So. <laughs> oh, definitely. But um, I will this? tell you this. This amount of power and wisdom right now mm-hmm. is good pretty for... good. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Listen to this journalist. No one's checking her. <laughs> who's, who's watching the watchers? <laughs> Who watches the watchmen? <laughs> All right, Gavin. After. Gavin, hit him with the outro. Oh, okay? well, Meg Kennard, thank, thank you for being here in studio. I know you have other things to be doing right now, but we said this is part of your contract. Uh, you have you to make appearances. It. You signed it. You I signed it. That's always your problem. carve out some time to be with you. I just you like, too. who could ask for more than like, 20 minutes of uninterrupted canard. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So good. God, no one should have to start for that. Thank you, Meg. But uh, you guys, uh, let us know how you're doing out there. 803-563-7169. Let us know what you want Meg to answer next time she's on <laughs> or what we can answer for her. <laughs> might just get on the pod. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And stay updated with the latest news on SCTV.org and South Carolina Public Radio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. From oh oh, that's not good. The stars are not aligned. All the stories. <laughs>